Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. We got a whole bunch of topics to discuss today. They all revolve around YouTube and passions. Um, And of course, Megan and Harry. So let's get into it. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, Amanda. I'm really excited to tell you about many things that I've been uh, taking in the last couple of days. And I feel like I've just been on like a pop culture odyssey, a, a solo tour around the internet of like random pop culture topics. But I have to say, like, I've really enjoyed the last couple of days. I don't really know why this happened, but like on Saturday night, I just found myself like deep diving into YouTube after going out for dinner. And I was just like, this is delightful. This is like the good old days when I I did this by choice, not because we had to stay home, that is. (laughs) I will say that before we started recording this podcast, you told me that you were going back to your, and I quote, core values, uh, (laughs) which included YouTube and deep diving on random celebrities who have shows coming up on Netflix that we're very excited about. And I do want to talk about, it's um, Emily in Paris. Is that Emily in Paris? Yeah. Right. So, so that will be one of your core values. Obviously YouTube is one of your core values. What are some of your other core values? Um, I think like just identifying that I have a a musical pop culture blind spot and then spending hours, like hours exploring it on YouTube, trying to get to know the band. This is that's how I first became a really big Vampire Weekend fan is I I was like just I was like a few years late and I was like, I'm just going to spend some time catching up here. And I just like watch every interview possible, every live performance possible, get familiar with like their stage show. And now as a result, I'm a little big town expert. I I like I caught up on 16 years of little big town. Okay. So give me like the top line summary of what you learned about little big town. Um, I started looking into little big town because the song of theirs ended up on one of my daily mixes on my Spotify app. Shout out to our employer. Um, and <laughs> I believe it's next to you from their most recent album. Um, and then they were on the Kelly Clarkson show, which as you know, is one of my favorite YouTube destinations. <laughs> and I then like wanted to just like know more about them. And it came to my attention that of this quartet, two men, two women, one man and one woman are married to each other. And then the other two are just like in the band. 
And I, I like, I'm now obsessed with like the workplace dynamics of what it's like for this quartet to exist when there is also a duo within it. And like, I don't understand. Like, I just like, it, it blows my mind. Can I ask some follow-up questions? Yes, please do. So the, the married couple, Mm -hmm. are they the center of the band? I'm just going to be very honest here to not spend a lot of time with little big towns. So this is a a total (laughs) idiot uh, interviewing someone who just did a deep dive And to anyone out there. Who's like a 20 year or whatever fan of little big town and is offended by our ignorance. Well, like I get it. And this is probably not the podcast for you and we'll see you next week. But well, so, also, I just want to say one of the reasons they're also kind of interesting is they've been doing a fair amount of performances for like on the late night circuit because they had an album come out in January. So they're in the camp of people who like were planning on having a big summer where they were going to be touring a lot. And now they're just like, well, what are we supposed to do? Like all of, all of their plans canceled. And I think that's like, I actually think that um, this was a big topic at the beginning of quarantine, but sort of like what has happened to the musical touring industry, like is mm-hmm. now under discussed in my opinion. So little big town, my heart goes out to you. You expected to be on tour all of this time. Yes. Um. So let me ask some little big town questions in terms Please. of like their performance dynamic. Mm-hmm. Is there a front man or woman? Is there, what is the kind of emphasis on the band members as performers? Sure. For as far as I can tell, again, I'm 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 a I'm a new student of the game. Um, they try to keep it pretty equal. And okay. one thing that's annoying is that the men, the two guys, seem to play the guitar a lot more than the two women, which is a major pet peeve of mine. I just really hate that. It was a problem on The Bachelor Presents Listen to Your Heart. Um of and course. the married the married couple. <laughs> the married couple, their names are Jimmy Westbrook and Karen Fairchild. Karen and Jimmy have like some songs that are basically duets for them. Like there's one called your side of the bed. And like in those designated songs, they acknowledge each other and they like acknowledge their sexual chemistry, AKA like the fact that they're married, but otherwise they like ignore each other on stage. And the other thing is like, there's very much like two blondes and two brunettes. Karen and Jimmy are the two brunettes and they like, really um organize themselves by like hair color i find and it's just really it's just really funny um and yeah so like they there's like designated times where they acknowledge their marriage and each other and then the rest of the time it's like just the band like just the group were they married when the or together at least when the band started or um no they were both okay. in other relationships oh and they have gone out of their way to say that they were both single and realized that there was like something else there. And then they sure. like got together. Okay. The, I mean, I guess gotten out of their way to say, sure. That's respectful to the other people or whatever. So, but they weren't in relationships with the other people in the band. I think what I'm trying no. to ask is this is not a, no a fleet. This is not a Fleetwood Mac situation. No, it is not. Okay. Well, that's disappointing because the Fleetwood Mac of it all um, is is fascinating and also produced one of the greatest albums of all time, in in my opinion. And also, I think, in Rolling Stone's new top yeah. 500. Yes, in many people's opinion. It's mm-hmm. just it was also um, just like like one of them, Karen, the one who's married. She always wears like pretty high boots. Not always, but like very frequently wears very high boots and like a very short shift dress. And the other woman in the band. um whose name I just can't remember at the moment. She's not married, so I don't, I don't acknowledge her. Just <laughs> kidding. Um, <laughs> she wears pants a lot, and she wears a lot, like, they have very different styles. And so I feel like they try to, like, carve out individual style and niches within the group. But I, I just, 
in in this like deep foray into kind of like popular country music that hasn't really crossed over. So it's not really Sam Hunt. It's not really Marin Morris. It's not like the kind of like pop country crossover hits. There's just like, there is still this value system that like I've always like heard alluded to about country music that I kind of never really like thought about, but like their mm-hmm. big hit on Nightfall, their most recent album and like big ish is called, um, wine, beer and whiskey. And it's just like three minutes of how much they like to drink and like jokes, like puns about the names of these liquors. Like they're like, there's the captain. We call him Morgan. And then there's Tito. He's my amigo. And it's just like all of these really, really cheesy liquor jokes that like you probably, I would have found funny and cool when I started drinking as a teenager. And Mm -hmm. I, it's just so weird that this is like, like the drinking is such a big part of the values of country music. I just realized how separate it still is. And I know I sound like an idiot because like everyone who knows this already, but like, I I thought I was a country music fan. Then I was like, was listening to little big town. I was like, Oh, I'm not like, I don't really get it. Yeah. No, I don't think that that is, I mean, I think that that particular value system, if you're not exposed to it, which I like, I can't say that I consume a lot of country music um, or at least modern country music right now either. I've really been enjoying the seventies <laughs> country hit playlist oh. on Spotify. Again, shout out to our employer, but, um, it's got a lot of Dolly Parton and that's important to me. Um, but I think this idea that there are just like whole worlds of culture and that, and value systems and, and practices and interests that like, it's not that we don't have access to them, but I think you and I think that we consume a lot of popular things and not think we do. We consume a lot of popular things, but without kind of the the monoculture there's just it's a whole other world out there and people just really interested in a lot of other things and and creating their whole lives around them and to some extent i think culture consumption has been has shifted so that if you're like a a fan of something you you really commit to a particular value system and world and to be an outsider coming into it uh can be quite surprising you learn a lot yeah uh, yeah, it was it was just like it did feel like some kind of like cultural tourism in a weird way. And and um, it was just really it's just different. I don't know. Also, like the the standards for a hit within country music are so different because like, you know, like their their music videos have like tens of millions of views. But then they go on like Jimmy Fallon or Seth Meyers or Kelly Clarkson and they get like tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. And it's so, it's so interesting how it's just like such a it's still a really discreet world. I know this sounds really stupid to people who are like in the country music zone. But I don't know. I was reading about Sam Hunt um, as a result of the New York Times doing Diary of a Song on him, mm-hmm. which is my favorite online video series. And that kind of just opened the floodgates for me. That's It's really good if you haven't, haven't checked it out. So anyway, um, yeah, Little Big Town. Now I know all about them. And I just can't believe there's a duo within the quartet. I wouldn't be able to handle that power dynamic. Just want to say as as like if I was the one who was not married. Yeah, of course, because there's just a natural like team that get, can kind of yeah. overpower the other two people. You can't be as individuals when like, there's like a legal document binding two of you, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't understand. And I just want to say that I, uh, I don't mean to downplay, um, <laughs> the member of the band who's not married. That's really rude. She is married by the way. She's just not married to anyone else in the band. And her name is Kimberly Schlappman. <laughs> Can can we also talk about um Whitney Port's YouTube series? That's another thing I got into over the weekend. Yeah, let me know. So again, can I just ask? Sure. You sit down at your computer and you open up 
the laptop. Are, are you using a laptop or using your phone? Yes, laptop. Tablet? Just, laptop. And I go to youtube.com to see what they're serving up to me. <laughs> okay. That's joking. what I wanted to know. I know you're not, but like just <laughs> that behavioral pattern is fascinating to me. Maybe everybody is. Maybe this is, I know Chris Ryan does this too. I, like, did you guys just, when you shared an office, teach each other to like normalize this behavior of just open the laptop and hit youtube.com and let the <laughs> algorithm take you away? I think maybe it is something that we, I mean, I think our algorithms are really different, but yeah, I mean, right. When we shared an office, it was like YouTube central YouTube HQ. I remember. Okay. So you open YouTube and, and you're really just like, Hmm, should I click on this? Yeah. Okay. hundred percent. All right. hundred percent. I subscribed to a few channels, the ringer, Kelly Clarkson, Hamilton. Okay. Um, just that might, that might be it. It's a tre- tremendous list from you. Um, so you open YouTube and yep. the, I suppose the Whitney Port series is just being served to you as a, yes. um, an expert correct. in the reality TV space. That's correct. It was recommended. Whitney, Whitney Port has a, a YouTube channel. She had a successful series where she talked a lot about um, being the mother to her toddler, Sunny, but she's now branched out to doing episode recaps or rewatches of the Hills and the city with her husband, who was a producer on the city. And she did a sit down with Lauren Conrad and it's two parts. I've only watched part one so far. And it was like pretty interesting. Like Whitney seemed like bashful and kind of nervous to be interviewing Lauren in the same way. I think like many people would be because of her tremendous success and her sustained fame. Mm -hmm. And it was really fascinating because it was like, it was, you know, Lauren doesn't do a lot of press, honestly. I, I, uh, I would devour her interviews if she did. And it was kind of like the first time it seemed, I mean, I guess they had like a pre-interview like Terry Gross style, but, um, it seemed like this was the first time they were really talking to each other, like around the occasion of this interview. And so they both like kind of acknowledge in a funny way that they're not like in touch, but they feel really, they think really fondly of each other and like refer to each other as like the college friend that you lost touch with, which we all have Mm -hmm, for sure. Um, and it was just wild. I mean, Lauren's got two kids. Whitney has one. It did feel like I was somehow like eavesdropping on someone else's like college reunion or like coffee with a friend that you really liked when you were 22 and haven't talked to in over 10 years. So when you said a sit down with Lauren Collins, I was Lauren Conrad. Sorry. Lauren Collins is a wonderful New Yorker writer. Just FYI, yeah. if anybody else is looking for some content, um, Sit down with Lauren Conrad. I'm as soon as you said sit down, I imagine it's like a 2020 Barbara Walters special, and suddenly Whitney Port and Lauren Conrad are having a conversation about the hills and fame and you know all of these things. But it sounds more it was like like just catching up on their lives. Yeah, and then I guess like one thing I didn't really think about is like they're just both like beauty influencers and Lauren just put out a makeup line. So it was a lot about like, what are your three makeup products that you would bring to a desert Island? And, um, that was very like, out of very far away for me. I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I haven't really, (laughs) what were they? Um, I don't care. They (laughs) Lauren's really into the cheek and lip product, which I've never used and never understood how one used it, but they, their skin both did look really nice. Uh, they both had like this cheek and lip, they both were really into mascara um, and concealer. Okay. Pretty, ba- so, pretty straightforward, but like, so they were it wasn't very like specific. specific. Oh, no. were they specific product recommendations or were they just like, I need mascara? They were also doing product recommendations, but okay. 
they it was also more general it, it was just really interesting like Whitney had like a list of questions she was reading from it was honestly incredibly sweet and it was just sort of like reality stars youtubers or just like us okay I will say do you remember <laughs> remember the time this feels like eight lifetimes ago when you and I went to one of the outdoor malls mm-hmm. in the Pacific Palisades. Mm-hmm. Remember this? Oh yes, of course. And we when went was there, to, but it, she was in Lauren Conrad's store. Isn't yeah. that right? Yeah. The little market. Right. And we thought that that was like a nice, you know, evidence of, of if not like real friendship, at least like mutual support or whatever. So I guess that they continue to be civil to one another, which is nice. I think I there's to- a lot of bad blood there and they, but not between them, like just the Hills in general, but not between the two of them. So they probably like each other as like a safe space. It was just, I kind of recommend watching it if you care at all about the Hills and Lauren and Whitney, because it was just like, it was so familiar. It was like endearing. It was just like, we've all had this experience of like catching up with a friend that you really like. And you might, you might be like confused at why you're not talking anymore. Or like you just drifted apart. And it was like, nice to see them reconnect. Also like, I feel like I know Lauren. I feel like I grew up with her because I watched her during such formative years. So to see someone else like catching up with her was very um, interesting and like just felt normal. Yeah, I I think it's interesting. I kind of underestimate how many people have that attachment to Lauren Conrad, how many people did watch Laguna and then the Hills. And she was the protagonist and had this sort of like every girl vibe to her that, um, I'll be honest, not how I personally related to that content or to Lauren (laughs) Conrad. Um, I I would say that I only think about Lauren Conrad when you mention her to me, but (laughs) I like, which is not, you know, I don't know. Everybody thinks about a lot of different things. It's just not on the front of my brain, but I guess that there are a lot of people who do relate to her. And to that extent, it's pretty interesting how she's like capitalized or not capitalized on that fame which is she, as you said, she doesn't do a lot of press. I mean, she obviously has her various product lines, but otherwise um, is not really in front of cameras that much. She also, if you recall, at the very beginning of her Post Hills career, she released like a lot of YA books, like a lot that were very popular. And I, I can't believe those haven't been optioned into a Netflix series yet. I'm shocked. Yeah, the YA boom... We were talking about this recently um, on the big picture because we were talking about like 2012 movies and it was like Twilight and that was when the Hunger Games started. And and, and it was, I, you know, YA is still just like a massive, massive business, but it did feel like that was the moment when all the adults were like reading and consuming YA as well. And everybody had a YA book. Um, I moved recently and in the the course of moving, packed up all our boxes and found a YA book written, and that's in scare quotes, uh, by Kylie and Kendall Jenner. Oh my God. Um, like, do you think that they've read the entire book? I, like, no. I really don't know. And that is not a comment on like Kylie or Kendall's ability to read it all. It just is kind <laughs> of like that. It, it's not, um, that's just a moment in which everyone was like, sure, I'll make a YA, I'll write a YA book, write quote, a YA book quote. Why not? Um, very interesting time. I, an adult woman, read a lot of those books. I never read The Hunger Games or Harry Potter. I don't know. Okay. Book, seri- book series, I just didn't get into as a, as a youth, but I've got my eye on a few in book series, including the Bridgerton books, which I'm going to get into and I'll report back. 
Oh, right. Yes. I'm looking. We're going to do another like books, book rec episode in the in the coming weeks. I just got actually have to put like a good list together. Um, OK, Lauren Conrad, Whitney Port. There was yeah. there was one more. And it yes. this also serves as a preview to a TV show that I think that we will be talking about at some point because I'm we certainly do. looking forward to watching it. Definitely will. Definitely, definitely will. Emily in Paris is coming. It's Netflix's um, new show with Darren Starr. Um, it stars Lily Collins. Is Lily Collins on your radar, Amanda? I know who she is. And she she's not totally on my radar. She was in a couple movies that never totally broke through. So, yeah. So I, I didn't kind of latch on. Um, Lily Collins and Bono's daughters like really like blend together for me. They kind of like just all, all from the same vein. Uh, Lily Collins is Phil Collins's daughter. She's half American, half British. She um, she was not on my radar at all. So then, um, you know, in advance of Emily in Paris coming, which features an extremely hot French man. I just want everyone to be aware of Luca. He's so hot. Get ready, people. Um, <laughs> in advance of Emily in Paris, I uh, just was just digging in on on Lily Collins. And it was great timing because she just got engaged to Charlie McDowell, who is the son of Malcolm McDowell and Mary Steenburgen. And I think we mentioned this last week, but like, now I just feel like there's, if you are, if Lily Collins is on your radar, like there's a lot of Lily Collins media and I'm curious to see if she becomes like a star among people with our age. I think she actually is kind of to like a slightly younger generation, quite famous. Cause she, um, is a little bit younger than us. And then I believe that she also like, like she has been in the YA world in general. Yes. Um, yes. And she was in, I think of her from the promos from uh, Mirror Mirror, that Snow White that Julia Roberts was also in, but like she's been in, in many other things as well. Um, and yeah, she, uh, she's coming people. I, I'm really curious to see, uh, if, if she becomes a big star, but, um, I just think that Malcolm McDonald's Mary Steenburgen's son being engaged to Phil Collins, son is like a great Hollywood match. Just great, great, great stuff. Thank you, Hollywood. It's great. I want to say a couple of things. Number one, Phil Collins, absolutely on my radar. Love you forever. <laughs> Phil Collins, great music. <laughs> Um, number two, I do feel like Emily in Paris, which for anyone who doesn't know, and again, I haven't seen it, Juliet, I've um, got screeners, but it is a TV show about a young woman, an American woman who moves to Paris. Is that correct? Juliet? That's correct. She, and it was yep. filmed in Paris. It was, it sure was. And if you like younger, mark your calendar for Friday, October 2nd. Right, because the show is done is by Darren Star, right? Who yeah, did younger yeah. And, and Sex in the City. Yes, and of course, nine hundred two one zero. Right, of course. How could I forget? <laughs> um, I'm just really excited for you to watch it. Let's discuss it next week. Sounds great. Let me tell you, I could really use um, a delightful TV show filmed in Paris, a city that I will not be going to anytime in the near future, or maybe ever again. Uh, right now, I'm looking forward to it. So. I have found better watching shows that are like set in places that you don't regularly go. Cause it's not like, Oh, I could be doing that. It's not like watching something in LA or New York. We're like, Oh, we used to do this, but now we don't, you know, I didn't, yes. I didn't go to cool parties in Paris. I will probably continue to not attend them. So <laughs> it's all good. I, I am, uh, I feel like there's just like a lot of pop culture coming out that I'm really excited about. And so like, that's just really promising. 
This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. I meant to ask you on this topic of Netflix and just like stuff that happened over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Pardon me if you discuss this on the big picture. Did you watch mm-hmm. Enola Holmes or are you aware of Enola Holmes? I'm really aware of no- Enola Holmes, which is, let me see if I can describe this. It's um a like a movie about Sherlock Holmes's sister starring Millie Bobby Brown. That's great. And I got a lot of promotional emails about Enola Holmes. And but the subject line would just say Enola Holmes. And I have to be very honest, Enola Holmes out of context in the subject line of an email can sound like any number of things that is like not a movie, like a fun movie for children about Sherlock Holmes's sister. So I was always a little perplexed by it and have not yet watched it. I watched it one and a half times because the first okay. half I wasn't paying attention. So I had to go back. Um, it's good. It's good background reading that, or noise watching, whatever. My main comment on it is, is about um, who plays the brothers. Millie Bobby Brown, good actress, charming, good job. Um, it's, you know, I hope she gets many more movies on Netflix. seems like she's in the pocket of, of big Netflix. Um, Henry Cavill plays uh, Sherlock and Sam Claflin plays Mycroft. Two comments. One, <laughs> Henry Cavill is way too traditionally pretty to play Sherlock Holmes. Like, I'm sorry. There's just no way that 
former Superman is now Sherlock Holmes. Like it just doesn't doesn't work that way. Someone who looks like Henry Cavill is not Sherlock Holmes. And I I'm sorry. Like I yes, I'm typecasting, but like I reject that. It's just ridiculous. Really weird. I, I think that he brings a lot of associations, among them Superman and also his ridiculous but um and and beefy but pretty funny performance in Mission Impossible Fallout to mm to this movie and then it does feel a little bit like it feels like one of those red nose day sketches you know when suddenly Superman is in like a little vest being like hello um I'm I'm Sherlock Holmes but soft-spoken hot Sherlock Holmes are you joking no like I'm just the entire tradition of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle rejects that casting it's ridiculous (laughs) number two there was a time, speaking of YA, where I feel like Sam Claflin was like going to just be another like hot guy in the scene getting a lot of like cool hot guy parts. But for some reason, he's taken a turn towards being a like uh, a man who wears a hat and plays a really <laughs> unlikable villain. And he does that in Peaky Blinders and he does it in Enola Holmes. And I'm just really confused by it. Like, give me Hunger Games, Sam Claflin. I liked that guy. But ever since the Hunger Games, I just feel like he's taken this weird turn to like being villains and just like why it's very strange well i don't really think that there are a lot of roles on offer for like a a british dude you're either um a superhero or the villain in a movie and i he never got a superhero role that i'm aware of though i'm sure there could have been one that i forgot so there's a there's a third option and he clearly just didn't want to take it but it didn't pay enough and that's like the grant chester route like playing the, the hot vicar or like right. just being in an endless number of BBC shows. But he clearly wanted to make more money than that and be more famous. Right. And I th- think it was a mistake, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amanda. Now you know that I did nothing but consume content over the weekend. Thank you so much for indulging me. That was really quite a, a journey through your <laughs> mind and through your algorithms. Like how much of this is background watching and how much of this is just kind of like this is what this is what I'm doing on a quarantine weekend. Um, I don't know. I, Do you I two screen ever? I mean, I generally have my phone in my hand or my iPad sure. okay. while also like looking at houses and real estate for places all sure. over the world. Yeah. Sure. Um, there's nothing as addictive as a, as a real estate app. It's really true. At a certain age. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I do Airbnb now. I just search vacations that I'll never go go. on. Yeah. Yeah. I just like add new filters and I'm like parking on premises. Yes. Like in, you know, like Hawaii or Greece or like places that I like cannot get to right now for a number of reasons, financial health, uh, international regulations, et cetera. Let me tell you, it's, it's Airbnb is my like very safe space, social media app. That sounds great. That sounds really great. Mm -hmm. Um, I just like to look at like just destinations I'll never go to just to be like, what's the, what's up with the real estate here and there. But mm-hmm. anyway, so that's usually like while watching Enola Holmes. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, I felt like this was really illuminating. Do you <laughs> want to give any reports on the Kelly Clarkson show before we wrap up? Just like you did commit last episode and then it came up again. Um, so yeah, I mean, I honestly look forward to Kelly Clarkson's covers every single day and Um, I think she's improved as a host like year over year. So I'm happy to see that growth. She's like kind of more herself. She's found who Kelly the host is and less like trying to, you know, figure out what her TV vibe is. So that's pretty great. I really love how they style her. I don't know. I just like, I hope that she never commits a crime because I unabashedly love Kelly Clarkson. Okay. I also hope that Kelly Clarkson never commits a crime. (laughs) 
Um, you've been watching the Drew Barrymore show? No, I haven't. Okay. Are you a Drew Barrymore fan? I'm really interested in the experience. And also, you remember that I had one really tremendous celebrity interaction with yes. Drew Barrymore? Do you remember this? I, I'll in share Ojai. it briefly. Yeah, in Ojai, I was um, at, on vacation in Ojai, which if you are not familiar, is like a, um, a a very lovely, like small town, about like 80, 100 miles uh, north of Los Angeles. Um, it is very wealthy and beautiful. It is where the film Easy A is set. Um, if you want to hear more about Ojai, you can listen to the Easy A rewatchables that Juliet and I did with Shay Serrano. Um, but I was there on vacation and I was at a store and there was this yellow dress that I wanted to buy. And I was waiting for the one changing room in the store because it was one of those with like the, you know, the linen curtain that's set up and you got to wait. And out of the, uh, the, the changing room comes Drew Barrymore. And she is very lovely to me. And she's like, oh, it's all yours. And I go in and I'm like kind of in the process of getting disrobed. And she's like, oh, sorry, I forgot a couple things. And like comes in to help clean out the dressing room so that I might have the space, which I thought was very nice. I think if anybody else, it would have been weird, but I thought it was very considerate of Drew Barrymore. And then I came, it was, you know, there's no mirror in the dressing room. It's one of those. So I had to come out into the store um, and Drew Barrymore and her friend were there to help me weigh in on the dress experience and whether I should purchase it. And she was like supportive, but also asking the right questions. And I did end up buying the dress. So thank you. Drew thank Barrymore. you, Drew Barrymore. That's great um, stuff. It's a lovely, bright uh, yellow linen dress. So I am pro Drew Barrymore. Also, you got the number of lives that Drew Barrymore has lived quite literally Amazing. from being a Amazing. child star and um, definitely has that. She is a, um, she's a performer by nature, you know? Oh, so, totally. Just the way she speaks is so performery. Right. And so I'm definitely interested though. I have not watched like a full episode of the show. You know, I think it's also interesting is that this is a show that debuted during quarantine and it, it was supposed to start this year. And so kind of curious, like how you put a talk show together under like the new, the new rules. Yeah. The only thing I've seen so far is that there's a segment where um, you sing to a flower or mm. like she introduces the musical guests by being like, now this musical guest will sing to this large paper flower in order to help it grow. I'm not making that up. I like I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's just a real thing that they did. Um, I very, very little shop of hers. I admire the kind of Drew Barrymore-ness of it all. I'm also like, does anyone want to watch this? This is so weird. So we'll see. I'm I'm gonna I'll watch a bit more and then perhaps we can we can have a follow-up. With someone like her, you're like, I'd rather just have a podcast. Tell us all the stories of your of your many lives, Drew Barrymore, yeah. you know? But yeah. please do report back. I will. That sounds great. That sounds great. Um, shall we discuss Pierce Brosnan's $100 million home that's on the market? Speaking of um I don't know what is this a core value? Yeah, Do, like sure. I guess I like real yeah. estate is a core value. I don't know whether announcing that you're selling your Malibu home for a hundred million dollars in the Wall Street Journal, which just runs celebrity classifieds, is like. I don't know whether I want to put that in the same sentence as my own values. I have some questions about like how this is all being arranged. I I fear for his work life balance that he made his home James Bond inspired. Well. 
I agree with you, except in the piece, which again is just a piece of journalism. Maybe the Wall Street Journal has been doing this for years and I just started paying attention um, because I kind of have to read the Wall Street Journal sparingly. But it it is a, a piece of journalism that is just like, hey, this house is on sale for $100 million. I, like, okay. Yeah, they did this. I think the last one I can remember is when Jack Kennedy's Martha's Vineyard home went on the market right. about right. a year and a half ago. That's the last like really big treatment I can recall from the Wall Street Journal. Right. But this is the same one that Chrissy Teigen and John Legend did. But right. it, like so but where the celebrities in question are interviewed in the piece about why their house is really special. And so Pierce Brosnan is interviewed in this Wall Street Journal piece. And it's like, here's what happened is that the first James Bond movie that I did was very successful and we knew there was going to be a sequel and I knew there was going to be a lot more money. So I said to my wife, Keely, Keely, build your dream home. And she did. And so they got, yeah. And so this is what she built inspired by the time that they spent, um, filming, uh, (laughs) James Bond. So, you know, good for her, I guess. Um, a hundred million dollars is just, as you said, outrageous. And like, I, I don't know who would be paying for this in any context, but especially when you look at how the home is situated, it is like, on the beach in Malibu. So there is literally no privacy whatsoever. Also, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking if I'm his neighbors, like I'm kind of pissed. Like this is going to bring a lot of attention to that one house and there's not and there's not a lot of privacy or right on top of your neighbors. Like it's not a good situation. That's true that you have to think that the neighbors are also like, oh, cool. If that house is worth $100 million, then yeah. my house is also probably worth a lot too, which again, real estate. Um, Ridiculous. Is, a, is just, it's, it is outrageous. It's a racket. The other thing to note in this piece is that they're selling this house because they want to live full time in the home that they already have on the North Shore of Kauai near Hanalei Bay, which, as Juliet, you and I have noted, is one of the most beautiful places Amazing. in the world. I would want to do that, too. I just again, I think I've said this before, but Pierce Brosnan's Instagram is just like a man who has played James Bond and also Thomas Crown in the Thomas Crown Affair in 1999. And is now just like I'm retired and I live on Hawaii on the North Shore of Kauai doing what I want uh, is really inspiring to me. I think I that, that those are some great choices. And I can't condone the fact that he's trying to sell a home for a hundred million dollars in the Wall Street Journal. It, it, that is like kind of putting your rich personness a little bit too on Main Street, in my opinion. But um, I don't know. North Shore of Hawaii, Kauai seems great right now. It really does. I was just thinking like. I'd love to go to Hawaii, just jump, get in that water. It sounds, sounds great. I, I, I mean, spent like Kauai is amazing. A lot of time on the Airbnb uh, options available in Hawaii. That's one of my main focal points. The best Airbnb experience I've ever had was in Kauai. Mm-hmm. And like, it was a vacation condo that I went with my one friend and we each had our own bathroom and our own bedroom. And you could use the facilities of the St. Regis next door without having mm-hmm. to pay for it. It was amazing. It was honestly incredible. Yeah. Great, great stuff. Hawaii, we miss you. Um, wouldn't be a jam session without a Harry and Megan update. Let's just hit it quickly. Um, first of all, it seems like the rumors about them doing a reality show for Netflix are not true. But TBD, we'll find out. I would be really surprised. Same. Really surprised. I would love it, though. I'd like to just see like the their life. But yes, I mean, of course. 
I mean, listen, I, I, I don't consume a lot of reality TV and I would watch every single moment, but it doesn't really seem in line with what they want or how they're trying yeah. to position themselves. I mean, there's both like the personal aspect of they do actually want some privacy and also they seem to be, again, I, I feel like they're doing the, um, the Obama production deal. I, yeah. I feel like that's their model. So to your point, and as you said, like, I think five minutes after their website update in January, a podcast could be a part of it. Um, but I would be surprised if it were reality TV. Agreed. Agreed. Um, they also were in the news because they were encouraging people to vote and, um, many headlines came from that saying that the Royal family was furious. Yes. And that the Royal family was going to have to strip them of their titles because in, in encouraging people to vote, they had violated whatever neutrality is like, or is expected from the Royal family, blah, blah, blah. This was, it was gross. This was just like the, the tabloid media, classic evidence of them picking on Meghan and Harry, like, and, and being gross and, probably somewhat racist and also just kind of, you know, reactionary and right wing and, and annoying, um, and wrong, I would say. Completely ridiculous. And then another story that then followed this after their like accusations of them being political by encouraging people to vote, which I guess is like being politically active, but like at the most baseline level, whatever, um, were a few rumors that Megan has very ambitious plans to run for president, which is something that you've been saying for a while, Amanda, that you thought she'd so, run for office. This is from Katie Weaver, uh, the New York Times writer and um, who's been on Jam Session a couple of times. And Katie called this like the day that uh, that Megan and Harry got engaged. And she was just like, I'm, I'm putting this here in five or 10 years. They will have moved back to the U.S. and Megan will run for office in the U.S. And it hasn't come true yet, but it certainly seems possible. It really does. Although... I just don't know their, what their plans are in general. I don't know. I wish, you know, in true jam session fashion, we wish them well, but actually um, we do. We do actually wish them well. No, I agree. It's, you know, it's still this weird transitional thing where they're like figuring out what to be for. And in the meantime, it's just, you're getting all of the defensive maneuvers from them and all of the, the gross tabloid stuff. I mean, but the, the Brits need to get it together. Completely agree. I like that Megan um, did like a surprise message to the guy on America's Got Talent named Archie because she was inspired by his story. That was very Beyonce of her in a good way, which is just like randomly surprising a fan to be Mm -hmm. supportive. Yes. I I thought that was a good move and also just like fun and sweet and more of that people. Yeah. I I mean, they're getting there. It's I think it does take time. They it's it's weird. And also, you know, we've been in a pandemic and a lot of things have been going on. They in terms of like, quote, starting their new life, timing did not really work out for them in terms no. of reintroducing themselves to the world. So certainly didn't we'll say certainly didn't. But I'm happy they found their way to um, Montecito. Seems like the right place for them. Yeah, seems beautiful. Well, I feel I've shared a lot. Thank you for listening, Amanda. What a journey. Thank you for teaching <laughs> us all about the YouTube algorithm. And, you know, how to learn about new pop cultural worlds. It's possible for anyone, you know, it really is. Just do a deep dive. You know, we'll we'll be back next week.
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.